Welcome to Meet the Cast at the Apple Store Soho in New York. Please welcome this evening's moderator, MTV's Josh Horowitz. All right, cool. All right, cool. Um, before we introduce this awesome panel, uh, I'm going to refresh your memories as if you needed it. Uh, here's the trailer for X-Men Apocalypse. Things are better. The world is better. Just because there's not a war doesn't mean there's peace. He's coming. Some call him Apocalypse. He was some kind of god. For thousands of years, he's been amassing mutants to take their powers. He always had four followers. Like the four horsemen. Eric, don't join them. Whatever it is you think you saw in me, I buried it with my family. Together, we will cleanse the earth. Everything they've built will fall! And from the ashes of their world, we'll build a better one! I've never felt power like this before. They took him. Raven, the world needs the X-Men. I'm not a hero. Your students look up to you. If I'm going to teach your kids something, I'm going to teach them how to fight. Follow me. To her. I'm not afraid of him. Magneto, he's my father. What? Him and my mom, they did. No, I know. Not all of us can control our powers. Then don't. Apocalypse means to destroy this world. It's all of us against a god and the most powerful beings on Earth. Forget everything you think you know. None of that You're not students anymore. I'll take everything from them. You're X-Men. Well, you've been busy. We had a little help. All right, guys, uh, since this is such a ginormous film, we've got a ginormous panel, I think you will be pleased. Uh, let's start with a man you are very familiar with. He's known as Charles Xavier, Professor X. Give it up for James McAvoy. Then we've got Quicksilver himself, Evan Peters. Oh. Joining the franchise, Alexander Ship as Storm. Also new to the franchise, Lana Condor as Jubilee. We've got a new Cyclops in town. His name is Ty Sheridan. And one of the architects of all these great X-Men films, writer-producer Simon Kinberg.
Um, mm-hmm. Welcome, everybody. This is a, a great piece of work, a great film. Welcome to the new guys in town, and welcome to uh, the veterans. The, I mean, you're. I mean, do you feel like the elder statesman now? You were the new guy just a couple films ago, and now you're. Yeah, I know. Everybody was like, "Hey, you're the young Charles Xavier," and then in the last movie, they're like, "Hey, you're the young Charles Xavier," and then in this movie, you're like, "Hey, you've got gray hair." <laughs> <laughs> and and then you shave it off and now you're bald so how do you feel about being the old guy and you're like wow it's gone from young Charles Xavier to that in two years <laughs> do you ever feel like I mean getting into your third X-Men film does it feel comfortable by now was it comfortable from the start I mean where are you at now because Charles has been through a lot through these first these three films yeah well the fact that he has been through so much has meant that he's very different in every incarnation and in, in every movie that I've done so I've never had the chance to get comfortable yet I am comfortable with the people and I'm comfortable with his history and who he is and where he needs to go but in terms of actually playing him every time it's a new challenge because he's felt very much like three different people and as much as you are three or four different people throughout your own life you know so it's always felt challenging and new uh, for you, Evan, I guess second among the cast here that has the most seniority. This is your second go-around as Quicksilver. Right. Um, certainly made an impact in a relatively limited amount of screen time in the first one with an amazing sequence. Yeah. Um, talk to me about coming back to the fold this time. Expectations, Do you, again, do you feel a little bit more at home this time around? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, everybody's been super nice and welcoming, um, but there was a lot of pressure to try to top that first scene. Um, but you know the writers and, and and everybody behind it are pretty brilliant, so uh, they just try to make it bigger and better. So uh, for our gaggle of new folks here, tell me what it's like to audition for an X Men film. Is it different than your normal run of the mill audition? What are your fond memories or traumatic memories of going up for this? I could tell you a really I could tell you a story. Yes. Please. Um, yeah, I mean it's you know just like any other film. I think I sent in a a self tape and then. <laughs> And then I, I uh, ended up doing a screen test. But on my way to the first audition after my self-tape, I was driving my buddy's car. He let me borrow it. And there was all this traffic. I was in L.A. and was coming down uh, the 405. And um, it took me an hour to get to the audition, but I'm, I'm in traffic. And uh, I'm really nervous because I'm going to an X-Men audition. And then I rear-ended the guy in front of me. Oh, yeah, oh there you go. How about that for a plot twist? <laughs> One, I, I, I'm not sure if you have supportive cast members here or not, because I feel like you're ready to... I don't know, what, what's, what's happening while he's telling the no, story? <laughs> I'm, I'm basically the greatest storyteller of all time. Ever. <laughs> Ever. We just love Ty's style when he's telling stories. Yeah, so you beautiful. know how, like... You know how, uh, no, I'm not going to slag you off. No, we've been having I want to hear because this has been this has no, been you know going how, like, on you know all how, like, day long. You know how, like, when you... you I don't know if anybody, any of you guys know professional sportsmen, but, like, they're really, like, normal people, really interesting, funny, intelligent, and all that kind of stuff. And then you get them on camera for an interview, and they go, like, so tell us about the game. And they go, well, it was... Uh, <laughs> can we have a round of applause for Ty Sheridan? Ty Sheridan. Now you know why Ty is sitting so far away from James. They need a little distance between the two of them. He is going to fuck me up. (laughs) Yeah, fuck that guy. (laughs) You kind of need that kind of uh, attitude on an X-Men set. Everybody thinks they're the star. Everybody's competing, right? It's so interesting because I am the star. (laughs) So. Storm is not to be trifled with in this film. Never. Did you see me on GMA this morning? (laughs) <laughs> I didn't. Now I'm a little frightened. Really big. Uh, 
level of familiarity for you with this character? This is obviously a character we've seen before on screen, a huge character in the comic books, uh, going into uh, a perspective part like this, a franchise like this, intimidating? Give me a sense of where you were at. Um, yes, intimidating, but also invigorating because it's, some, it's something that um, us as actors in this film were really able to develop our characters and um, it was really cool being able to say like this is how I want Storm to you know look when she's flying or this is how I want her to summon you know the weather or the elements it was really cool to be able to be a part of that creative process and for you, Juana, do you feel like a, I mean, the good thing is you have a camaraderie with a lot of, a bunch of new folks in this. Like, you're not in this alone. Do you feel like the first day on set, was that scary or exciting to kind of be with, like, both folks that had experience and other folks oh, like yourself was, that were no, new to it? No, it? it was absolutely terrifying. <laughs> I was crapping my pants the whole time. I think, actually, Brian, he came up to me the first day uh, that we worked, and he was like, dude, like, you can smile. This is going to be fun. And I was like, okay, okay, promise I'll smile. But, yeah, it was, it was really intimidating. But, listen, everyone was super um, welcoming, and I, I, never felt, I never felt like I was, like, the odd man out. Simon, for you, who, I mean, you've, you've obviously helped steer these films in such a great way, and it's, it's, it's a difficult, uh, you know, prospect in terms of, like, continually reinvigorating and reestablishing characters. Give me a sense of sort of what the task was at hand coming out of Days of Future Past, which kind of reset things in some ways, and, you know, you had an a cast of thousands in that one, and, and somehow you go bigger in this one. What's the task at hand for something like this? Well, we did want to go bigger in this one, and, and I think the only way to do that was to create a new, or introduce a, a new villain, because it's something we haven't done much in the franchise. After seven or eight movies, it's usually Magneto starting trouble. Um, and so we felt like, you know, a new, a new villain could give new stakes to the, to the franchise, and that's what Apocalypse does. But I actually think that the challenge is pretty easy in that there are so many great comic book runs of the X-Men. It's not like I have to think of it from scratch. Um, I just adapt it, uh, and and there's a certain amount of creativity, obviously, involved in that. But it's it's easier than when I'm sitting in a room staring at a blank page. There's a lot of great stories to choose from. Uh, in addition to taking your questions in a bit, we've got a couple clips from the film, a couple sneak peeks for the audience. I think this first one features you, James, uh, reuniting with a uh, uh, someone we last saw in uh, first class. So let's check out the scene from X-Men Apocalypse. Ever since the world found out about mutants in 73, there have been cults who see them as some kind of second coming or sign of God. I was tracking one of them. They call themselves a Sheer N. Sebenur, named after an ancient being they believe to be the world's first. World's first what? The world's first mutant. These describe a specific set of powers greater than any man could possess. An all-powerful mutant. Exactly. And wherever this being was, he always had four principal followers, disciples, protectors he would imbue with powers. Like the four horsemen of the apocalypse. You got that one from the Bible. Or the Bible got it from him. For you, James, and we alluded to this before. You've all like, in these three films. You've gone through Xavier's gone through a lot. Um, was there anything in particular you were excited about getting to in the arc of this character? I mean, it doesn't reveal anything to say in the trailer. We we yeah. finally see him in that iconic mode, yeah. bald in the chair. Uh, is that something you were excited about exploring and getting to? Yeah, I was. Uh, like I say, in the previous two movies, I've been fortunate enough to portray parts of Charles. I don't think we've seen a lot of in the books or. 
or in the cartoon or in the previous movies. In this, I was excited to finally sort of get to claim, uh, I suppose as you saw it, Simon, to finally claim the icon and let this, our bunch of movies, our run of movies, uh, own that part of Charles, that sort of uh, patriarchal, uh, sort of wiser, slightly harder figure than he has been until now. Uh, so I was excited for that. I was, I would have been, I kind of really didn't want to do that in first class, and I really didn't want to have to do that in Days of Future Past, and that was fine because the scripts didn't ask me to go there. But I felt the time, it felt right now. Maybe that's because I'm a little bit older as well. Yeah. So, no, I was excited about that. Uh, you should talk about um, how you actually uh, had your hair shaved off. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we all, we all did this thing where we were like, do we shave my head and wear a wig for most of the movie, or do we have my own hair and then wear a bald cap for like just the end of the movie? And we were like, nah, 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 wigs are bad. We'll just do the bald cap. Wigs never look good. And then we tried this wig on, and I remember standing in front of you and Brian and Hutch, and everybody's going, <laughs> it's a good wig. <laughs> and we were like, fuck, I've got to shave my hair. So we just went, come on, let's go do it. So we went and shaved my hair, and just before we did it, was it Brian or you that said, let's get... Brian. Brian said, let's see if we can get Patrick Stewart on FaceTime. And so, collect so collectively, we FaceTimed Patrick Stewart. And uh, so, yeah, but at the end of it, he was like, could you please bag that up and put it and send it to me? And um, you're like, wow, I didn't know, I didn't know Patrick Stewart was from India. Um, yeah, he is, he's from Jaipur. And... Um, and so he didn't get it. It was intercepted by our director, who now has a bag of my hair in his, in his safe, in his home, which is slightly worrying. You can be cloned. We could have thousands of McAvoys. Uh, that's a terrifying prospect. <laughs> the world would be a better place. Oh, thank you. There you go. <laughs> um, this one, like the last couple films, are they're period films. It's weird for me to say that. I'm, I, I'm like some of the cast here. I lived through the '80s. Um, talk to me a little bit about. Bro. <laughs> um, talk to me a little bit about inhabiting the '80s wardrobe, the '80s vibe. Was that enjoyable? Did it feel like you're in a period film? Absolutely. Uh, one of the scenes that we shot that I don't think ended up being in the movie. They actually transformed this whole mall into an authentic 80s mall. So I, they brought in like Cabbage Patch dolls and sold them. They brought in like the 80s version of Hot Topic. So I'm like sitting there because, you know, I was, I was born in 97. But uh, I'm sitting there like, wow, this is awesome. I feel like I'm in a time machine. But, oh, and the clothes are cool mm -hmm. too. And the hair. And What do you think? Did you feel like you I were a... Alex had the coolest... I don't even know if that's an 80s hairstyle, but it is an 80s isn't, I wasn't around in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> it's super punk. Super classic punk storm. Are you as depressed as I am, James? This is upsetting to me, this whole conversation. Yeah, I'm looking about scoring some hardcore drugs tonight to get me over this. So, yeah. Just going to sink into a... I'm going to get in a cold bath and, and just do some hardcore drugs until I die. <laughs> Um, Evan, for you, you know, I alluded to this earlier, it's such a standout sequence in the first film. Um, their expectations are high this time around. Um, you guys are going to love the Quicksilver. There's one in particular that I'm thinking of in this one that lives up, if not surpasses the first one. Um, give me a sense of what goes into that kind of sequence in the film. How long does it take? Is it enjoyable, knowing that the end product is, is going to be so special, or, or what? Yeah, I mean, they're amazing sequences to be a part of. Uh, that This one we, that we shot in the new film took 
uh, a month and a half to shoot, and I worked 17 days, and it was for two minutes of film. So it's kind of uh, a lot of work on, on, on one thing, but uh, it is very rewarding and um, exciting to see it all cut together and, and with the special effects put in. It's, it's a very, um, there's motion capture, um, a lot of green screen, and a lot of people standing frozen while I run around them and move things that aren't there. But um, yeah, they plug it all in uh, in the end and it, it, it ends up looking kind of mind blowing. Uh, it's, it's also exciting for me to watch too because I don't really see what, what it is until the finished product. So um, it's, it's really, really cool. We had, this, we had this thing on set where you know, we'd all be hanging out and just chatting on set and talking and three weeks go by and since we last saw Evan and Evan is in a scene and he shows up we're like hey man where you been he's like I've been here and we're like what and he's like yeah I've been on second unit we're like for three weeks like who with just on my own man and like he was in at one point he was on second unit for three weeks we did not see him and he was just working on his own in that sequence that lasted two minutes it was it was crazy we thought he'd gone home to LA or something like that very lonely yeah. He shot more days on this film than any other actor in the movie. So um, some of the, the characters in the film, not necessarily represented here on stage, go through a hell of amount of makeup. I mean, Apocalypse's look, uh, Jennifer Lawrence, obviously. Who, who tended to whine the most about what they went through every day? Olivia Munn. <laughs> 100% Olivia Moon. Um, hey, we see it with love, Olivia. If you're li thanks very much. If you're listening, Olivia, we see it with love. We're only joking. No, she had, she weirdly didn't look like she had a lot going on, but she had a really tough costume, right? Yeah, her costume. One hundred percent latex and a corset, and I've just felt bad for and, and heels, and gloves, and a sash, <laughs> and extensions. She was, she didn't look like herself at all. Did you guys enjoy your costumes? Were they, I mean, just seeing them in fully fleshed out mode, like seeing yourself in front of the mirror must be such a, a trip for you. It was fun, but I was in two corsets. One of them was a little superfluous, so like looking back, I'm like, maybe we'll nix that one, but yeah. I liked it, it was cool. I was kicking ass in heels, that's <laughs> awesome. Like over the knee boots, just being like, whatever. Women can do that too. But then like in real life, walking like a robot because you can't really move in them. Sexy. <laughs> for your character and for, for you, you, Ty, I mean, I know you've talked a lot about this, I'm sure. We've obviously seen these characters in the films before. Um, do you feel like you just flush it out of your head? You don't even think about sort of the other interpretations? Or? No, I mean, you definitely, you definitely think about it, and you, I think you have to keep in mind what was done before and what the character is and who he is and who he's going to be in, in the future. Um, but then you... You know, you focus a lot about you focus a lot on the origin and what's on the page then, and it's a, you, you do understand that it's a different version of the character, and so I think everybody was pretty much on the same page with that, and I think that's where, you know, like James mentioned, he's he's played almost three different versions of Professor X um, in the three films that he's been in, so I think this is a totally different version of Cyclops and Storm and some of the other characters that we see that we've seen in previous X Men films, but older. Let's uh, take a look at one more clip uh, before we go to your questions out there. Uh, this one actually features uh, Cyclops, a little bit of sort of discovering your powers in this. Check this out. As everyone knows, the existence of mutants was first discovered during the Paris Peace Accords after the Vietnam War in 1973. Six days later, we all watched as one of those mutants, Eric Lenscher, attacked the president and the cabinet on the lawn of the White House. Their lives were saved by a young mutant who stopped him. 
Now, Lynch escaped and became the world's most wanted fugitive. And as for her, she disappeared as well. But she has become the symbol of a new age, the face of a world that will never be You're the same You're waking up my girl? Again. Yes, there was panic. Your girl. Um, there's still some prejudice. I guess you do look old enough to be your father. found in all walks of life. Excuse me, gentlemen, is there something that you would like to be sharing with the rest of the class? Can I please go to the bathroom? I think there's something seriously wrong with my eyes. Fine, Scott. And afterwards, why don't you stop by the principal's office and explain to him that you're disrupting class again? I trust you know the way. Yeah, I do. Okay. No, hang on. Hang on. Now, I know most of you were, what, around seven years old at that time? Summers! I know you're in here. All right, I feel like Thank that's you. a good segue into uh, your amazing questions out there. I'm sure we got there are a bunch. question in the front row. Uh, you guys are rebuilt, like, James, you've done this already, but you guys are recreating uh, characters that we've already seen in the past. So for you guys, what has been more of the hardest, what has been the challenges in terms of bringing your own originality to those characters? And for, you know, for the rest of you, you guys were the first iterations of your characters. So what have you brought um, for your characters in terms of comic book and what you wanted to show people in these movies? Good question. Um, yeah, for me, I, I needed to know 100% of Halle Berry Storm and um, to be able to pay hom homage to that, basically. Look at me, I'm stuttering like you, babe. Um, <laughs> But like you know, for me, I wanted I wanted the the fans to have that kind of like feeling that I had when I was watching her in in the movies and watching the comics as well, and and staying really true to the comics, but also trying to bring my own flavor to it, which is really hard because there, it's hard to relate to a mutant. You know, I think about my first period, and I'm like, but like if I had my period and then like a tornado hit or like a tsunami went down, bro. Like, there, you can't relate to that. Wow. It's just a little bit different. But as far as I could go with it, I went deep. Crazy. <laughs> James, James, you said it really nicely earlier when you said that no one wants to see when we were at the other Q&A. But when you said no one wants to see the same character, the same version of the character over and over and over. And yeah, it's a weird thing. That I get asked, I've been asked this for six years by fans and by journalists. And I, I, they seem surprised when I tell them that I didn't try to mimic or incorporate any of the acting things that Patrick Stewart did. And, I would, and I'm always surprised when people are surprised or challenged or disappointed by that, because for me, if you've seen three or four movies that have been made since the year 2000, I don't want to see that same stuff done again by another actor. I want to see him portrayed differently. Um, I want to see something different every single time. So yeah, I personally, 
I tried to look at what Patrick did, and I tried to do the exact opposite uh, for the first two movies. This one is slightly different because this time, this time it is about claiming the, the the final destination of the journey that we've been on for three movies, and really bringing that journey home. To be as perverse as I was being in the first two movies was only going to work if we actually came and and took hold of the the archetype and the icon that he is, I uh, suppose, by the end of this one. Quicksilver's actually been featured in like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, played by different actors. And is that something like for you? Would is that something you have to do something to do your own thing for that, or to be able to create your own type of character to be in this separate universe almost? Um. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I basically. <clears throat> I don't know. I didn't know what to do. I was just sort of, I, I read the comics, you know, some of the comics, not all of them, but I read some of the comics that, that had Quicksilver in them, and, and he kind of was a little um, arrogant or, or a little cocky or cheeky or whatever you want to call him. Um, and so I kind of tried to do that a little bit, um, but I was way too over the top, and Brian said, calm down. <laughs> so, then, so then we chilled him out a little bit, and, uh, and, then, and then it just kind of became Quicksilver, and then that coupled with you know the amazing special effects sequence sort of made him into what he was um, so it just sort of happened I, don't, I didn't really plan on it and then Aaron's Quicksilver came along and they did that and it was very very different it was uh, he was Russian I mean he had a sister he had the blue streams behind him when he ran all kinds of different things and, and then um, and then they killed him Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Wow, what a brutal crowd, just cheering death. Wow. <laughs> we, we, uh, we, strange, we were talking about that moment earlier, and I personally, when that happened, on behalf of X-Men, was like, yes! <laughs> and I, I, you can reveal whether you were or not yourself. Yeah, I was pretty happy. <laughs> I was excited. When Jubilee is introduced in the 90s cartoon, she's at the mall shopping, and the... the Sentinel kidnaps yeah. and um, and then she like breaks the VCRs or something. Did you did you watch those shows to to get uh to like to understand your character better? The cartoons? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I I wasn't at that familiar with the um, X Men franchise, but before um, being cast in it. But as soon as I got it, I read all the comics. Well, not all of them. There's but I, I tried to read as many comics as we could and watch cartoons, and I think all of us did, yeah. Anything in particular you guys are itching? Simon's right there. You can put the bug in his ear and Simon. let him know. <laughs> what do you want to see? Uh, I, would love, I would love to get involved in the kind of mind battle that you can only get involved in with another psychic character. So like Psylocke or Emma Frost or any of those guys. That would be awesomeness. Any other votes? I want Storm to uh, <laughs> Yes, I want Storm to become the matriarch that she needs to be. Okay, there you That's go. That's what guys. I want to see. All right. Um, check out X-Men Apocalypse. It's the biggest X-Men film yet. It's a real great piece of entertainment. Congratulations, guys. Always good to see you, you all. Thank you very much. Thank check you, everybody. Check it out this Friday, guys. Thank you.